Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy, and we've had a number of conversations in different arenas about therapist safety. We've had a number of conversations about how to find your ideal clients, and we often find that these conversations move into, well, what if like my non-ideal clients come into my practice? What if there's people who want to see me and they... To me, they largely come down to how can I appropriately discriminate who comes into my office? <laughs> I think that's a little harsh, Kurt. <laughs> I don't think it's solely discrimination, but I think we should have a conversation and sort through what would be considered discrimination and what wouldn't and, the, and all the considerations because I think that it can feel very, very different than discrimination, I think, for folks who, who we've been talking to when they're talking about how they choose their ideal client and how they refer out the clients that are not ideal for them. But what, what are the reasons that you're calling it discrimination? Why don't we get clear on what that is? Because I think it feels like a pretty, pretty bold statement to say that therapists are discriminating. Well, one conversation that sparks kind of this, this feeling in me is (laughs) conversation that started with a therapist who had a couple of issues with some male clients. It's a female therapist. She was asking, is it ethical for me to not see men in my practice anymore? Now, to me, that's a pretty clear violation of the ethics codes of whatever professional organization that you're in. If you're making a decision to withhold professional services from people based on their sex, that's discrimination. Okay. I mean, that seems like that's the black and white of it, but it seems like that would be more nuanced depending on how that's presented, how it's played out. I mean, to me, it seems like if someone has has a specific trigger or a specific thing that comes up with certain types of clients, whether it's men or women or people with beards, like it's something where having having the ability to to identify who you're going to work best with seems to me appropriate. Oh, it's actually not in the ethics code that you have to serve people with beards. It's in the <laughs> ethics codes that you have to provide professional assistance to people regardless of their gender or their sex or their race. And in some states and in some ethics codes, they're marital status or their veteran status. Like these are protected classes in the 
ethics codes in a lot of states in the laws as well. I get that. I think that there's people are not just those designations, though. I think that there's also scope of competence. There's also scope of practice as far as really looking at where do I where do I work best? What am I best suited to do? I don't agree because in every state, in order to get licensed, you have to meet the minimally acceptable competence. That's what licensing boards refer to people who are able to pass the licensing tests. You are minimally acceptably competent to work with people of both sexes, to work with people of any race, to the things that you are taught in grad school through your supervision in your study work to pass your licensure. Your competence is to work with people. You have that by being licensed. And I think that our standards of who we actually work with in our practice should be much higher than minimal competence. That's, that's what we talk about. We talk about making sure that we're becoming very competent and, and even excellent in our work and working with the people we work with best. So I understand there's the minimal, minimal competence issue. I, I completely agree. But I think there's this piece of if, if I am minimally competent to treat someone, it means that I have to. I don't know that that feels good. Now, I understand that that may be what the ethics codes say. But to me, just because someone calls me doesn't mean that I need to serve them. There's a number of different directions to go off of this, but the one that I'm going to hang on to right here is that we can't hide behind a perpetual incompetence in our fields. The other parts of our ethics code say, if you have somebody who requires your services that you are able to see, that you are not discriminating against, you should learn more about their particular issue in order to serve them. You should get supervision. You should get consultation. You should go to trainings. I think that minimizes the the need for specialists in our field. And I think it minimizes how intense the training should be for some of the, the areas of competence. And let me continue before you start in there, Kurt. <laughs> because if we look at general practitioners, General practitioners are able to, to treat a lot of things, and they see a lot of clients that come in, but they are not specialists, and to be referred out to a specialist because I have a specific type of asthma or because I have a specific type of migraine headache is, is them recognizing that someone else has dug deeper in this particular area and would be better suited to treat me. I get that you're talking about different, you know, kind of discriminating based on demographics, but I think when we're really looking at all the things that make us us, there, are, there is a depth of knowledge that would serve us better as clients if our therapists made sure that they were actually working in the space where they are best working. I think it actually strengthens our profession for us to do so. I think you're making a case against any new therapist being able to see anybody because if they're specialists for every particular presenting problem, a new therapist isn't going to be competent to see anybody. Well, we could we could go down that road, and I understand that you're that you're trying to make the argument that that, but but at this point, new therapists are the general practitioners of our field, and, and they should see people, yes, who have who have issues. Like yes, they should, but they're and, and also this, they're not they're not completely just generalists because all of our all of our new folks have had some sort of practicum, they've had some sort of more focused experience, and they may decide to dig deeper and continue to learn and grow in there, or they may decide to continue in the generalist 
you know, arena forever or to continue as a generalist until they identify what they want to specialize in. So I think that's not a great argument because, of course, new therapists are going to to have each of them are going to have their own level of competence in different things. I know that it's been, you know, a couple of millennia since we've taken our <laughs> licensing tests, but in, in my capacities now as a subject matter expert for the California Board of Behavioral Sciences, in writing licensing tests, mm-hmm. you remember your test where it covered a broad variety of clients, many of which you probably have never seen before. Mm-hmm by virtue of it being on the licensing test, by virtue of it being in the exam plan, you're expected to be able to serve those kind of clients independently after you pass the test. I understand that, but that doesn't mean that I need to be required to do so. But you are competent to do so. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll give you that one, but because I'm competent, I'm now required to see them, does not seem respectful to me. If you are acting in your professional capacity, you need to be able to provide service to these clients, whether okay. that's an appropriate referral, whether that's being able to see them. But I imagine phone calls that would come to you. I'm picking on you in this particular example, because you're paneled with insurance companies. I'm not. Mm-hmm. So somebody calls you up, says, uh, I have such and such insurance. Uh, do you have availability to take me on as a client? And you say, well, yes, I have availability. And you say, what, what's it about? And it's, I, I have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Something that most therapists at many points in their career would feel very competent to be able to address. But in looking at some of these conversations of, okay, well, if it's a man with anxiety and you don't want to see men in your practice, you have already indicated that you have the availability, you have the competence to be able to see this person. And now you're just not going to see him because he has dangly bits between his legs. (laughs) I think that first off, I think there's, there's this piece of the argument about discrimination, because I, I do understand what you're saying that if I, if I say, yes, I have availability and yes, I treat anxiety, but because I, because if, because you've been identified as male now at this point, I'm not going to serve you. Yes, that's discrimination, but it's not that simple. Certainly if someone were to call me and say, I found you through my insurance company and I did have availability, I would want to sort through if I was the best person to serve them. And that's how I would have that conversation. I wouldn't say, sure, I have availability. I would say, you know, I have very limited slots and I like to make sure that I'm going to be the best match for the clients I take in, let's talk a little bit about what what you're wanting to work on and I'll see if I'm the best person or if I can find you a better referral of someone who can work more, more effectively with you. I trust you to do that. I, yes. I've known you long enough. I, I respect your career. There's therapists out there who are not making that kind of thoughtful process through this. I get that, but we should not assume that everyone's not making that thoughtful process. And instead of saying that we're, they're, they're discriminating, I think helping them to identify how to have this thoughtful process is more helpful in the discourse. But when the conversation starts with, I don't see people of a protected class, mm-hmm. that's discrimination, regardless of the reason. Yes, I agree with that point. I think it's something where people can sometimes not be as 
distinct in how they talk about things as you are. And so I think being able to sort through what is this about and identifying, is it truly because of discrimination, because they don't want to see somebody from a protected class, and it's because of a prejudice or some other reason that they're discriminating, I think, yes, come out guns blazing. But if it's someone who's fearful for their life, I don't think we should be should need to work or should be forced to work with anyone that we truly feel unsafe with. Now, I get that a whole protected class should not scare us necessarily. But I do think that we should have the ability to assess our safety and determine whether we can work with the person or not. Right. And this is a healthy thing, especially in in our practices of having good screening procedures. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't rule out that all men are going to attack their female therapists. Actually, we can. This is part of what we do in our do you have a history of violence? Have you ever been arrested? Have you ever been involved in domestic violence? Have you ever been involved in a physical altercation? These are screening questions that would be good in making a decision of, I don't feel comfortable based on your past behavior, mm-hmm. not I don't feel comfortable because your chromosomes have different letters. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I think that's simple to say. And I, I think that if I were to consistently start asking my clients about their history of violence, I think that feels more discriminating than talking about not being, not having room in my, my practice, because I think someone could feel very, there, there's assumptions being made that I need to assess your level of violence because you have dangly bits. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's a standard question on my intake questionnaire. Have you ever been arrested? Have you ever been involved in a physical fight? These okay. are standard questions. Every client in my practice answers. Yes, but at that point, they're doing your intake paperwork and have become a client. That's not something that you're asking on a, on a phone screening before they've become your client. I think there's, there's ways to assess, and of course, we have ways to assess on the phone to determine our, 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 you know, kind of our, if our spidey senses are tingling, if there's something about the conversation that sets off red flags, yes, we, I think, certainly need to investigate further. But, but engaging that client in services by sending the intake packet, setting a first appointment, all of those things, I think we then put ourselves in the place where we need to, to continue forward unless there's good reason not to. So I think being able to do more screening on the phone makes sense, but 
assuming someone needs to be assessed for violence because their voice is low is also, I think, of concern. So what do you recommend? I recommend having some conversations. I think we also have talked a number of times about making sure that our our advertising, our marketing is very clear on who we treat best so that we're going to have the, the people who call us who we want to work with. But I think that there's this extra piece of really sorting through how do I make sure that I'm safe? I mean, I think it's different for each person. I mean, what are your thoughts? Because I don't think we need to, I don't think we need to start screening every person for violence on the phone. I think that feels weird and, and may actually decrease the number of clients we get if we're consistently assessing for violence over the phone. I'm thinking back to a, a particular conversation where this started. And my real beef with it is that this therapist was making a flat out, I'm not going to see men because of these past experiences. It was a personal trauma that the therapist mm -hmm. was carrying, mm -hmm. which I interpret as somebody versed in the ethics codes, as somebody who writes questions based on the legalities of these kinds of decisions. Mm -hmm that if this therapist is not able to work in a professional capacity with roughly half of the population, mm -hmm. this person is not of a professional capacity to work with any of the population. I think that's short-sighted. I, I really believe that all therapists have had some sort of trauma or wounding experience, or at least most of us. Some of the research I've done, it's like 70% or more, right? Mm -hmm. And so all of us are going to have triggers. All of us are going to have these things that we need to be aware of and work with our consultants or our therapists with, but that doesn't mean that we are incompetent to practice. I think recognizing the limits of our ability to practice with certain, certain issues, certain types of, of people and what they're going through. I think that is, that's actually good self-awareness. Now, when it crosses into discrimination, I, I think we need to be very cautious. I don't think people should be allowed to discriminate, but I do believe that if someone is working something through, they should be able to, to sew it through and decide who they see. So I know that I'm not saying like, where should the line be drawn? I, I get that, but I think we need to respect that therapists cannot expect be expected to be perfect in order to be able to practice with the clients they work best with. I think knowing that they work best with a certain group of clients and particularly focusing on seeing those clients is something that is actually good practice. I'm not advocating for working at, at being perfect as therapists, mm -hmm. but I think that there's a huge dividing line when it comes to our profession, that when we act in our professional capacity, we are stating to the public, I have the ability to take care of you. Okay. If my issues are getting in the way of me being able to take care of somebody, that's a me issue. That's me as the therapist. I am held to that higher behavioral standard. You know, one of the criticisms that we hear all the time is, why are therapists who get DUIs, you know, punished so harshly by the licensing boards when lawyers or other professionals might not be? And the answer is because we're held to that higher standard. We are held to a level of being able to take care of the vulnerable people who are seeking psychotherapy. I, I agree that we need to be held to a higher standard. I do not agree that that means that we have to be able to take care of every single person because that's not, that's not 
real. That's not appropriate. Because just because we've decided to become a licensed psychotherapist does not mean that we have to treat every single person that needs our help. That's sacrificing ourselves. And that is not, you know, you know, I'm not going to stand behind that. Well, the ethics codes say we need to provide professional assistance when we're acting in our professional roles. Doesn't mean that we have to serve them as clients, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to a a therapist's personal triggers or personal traumas Mm -hmm. leading to a discrimination against a protected class, federally protected, state protected, ethically protected class, that therapist is not reflecting well in the profession. That therapist is potentially pushing a client away from seeking services at all based on a personal issue that's getting in the way. I agree with a portion of that, but I think it's so black and white. And I understand that if we were talking about somebody being afraid of women, for example, that there would be women up in arms because, you know, women feel more like a protected class than men, (laughs) you know, and I understand that it's, it's, you know, it is sex, gender, assigned sex, whatever, but I think it's, it's something where when we're looking at how, how we interact with the world, women and men have different experiences. I think that there's, you know, people of color and, and white people have different experiences. I think it gets really complex when we start down this road because it can, because I think discrimination is wrong, but I think someone acting to protect themselves, to feel safe, to be able to do the highest quality work is also important. And I think I think there are going to be times that each of us find that we need to refer out because we know that we can't do our best work with the person in front of us. And that may be because of our own failings, our own triggers, our own traumas. It can be because of ourselves, but because we refer out, it makes us stronger therapists. And so to me, I I have a hard time just drawing a hard line on this. I think that referring out is one step that has to be followed through. And my fear is that people look at that as being the only answer. Okay. It's not just enough to refer out. You also need to work on the issues yourself. You need to improve in that area. So that way you're not making that same judgment over and over again and creating blanket rules based on a personal experience mm-hmm. and you bring this up is that it's a lot easier to engage in the nuances of this conversation because we're talking about rejecting men but yeah. if we were talking about rejecting black people if we were talking about rejecting uh, lgbt clients if mm-hmm. we were talking about any of the more traditionally oppressed groups of people you would have people jumping up and saying, absolutely, we need to stand up for people of color being able to seek services. We need to stand up for LGBT clients to do this. But the historical protections afforded based on sex and gender also apply to men and apply to white men. Mm -hmm. 
But I think that there is a caveat and a complexity there that isn't just, yes, they need to have access to services. It's that they need to have access to affirming and appropriate services. And if someone wants to not treat folks uh, in those protected classes, in those folks who've been systematically oppressed, for the folks that we're talking about, I think that there there's many times that I've heard the the argument that, in fact, we would prefer not to be served by someone who would rather not work with us because they're not going to be affirming, because they're not going to understand the issues. And in fact, it would be better to be referred to a more LGBTQ friendly or affirming therapist or a person of color or someone who works more effectively cross-culturally. And so I think that it's not, it's not simple like, oh, we would be up in arms. I think it's something where being able to identify a way that people can work well in this type of a relationship is important. And this piece of the, the level of intimacy that happens in a therapeutic relationship, where we really are in relationship with these folks, we know a lot about them, we're with them when they're very emotional, when they potentially are angry. You know, as therapists, we need to make sure that we're making really good decisions. And yes, referring out is one of them. Yes, working on our own issues is one of them. But I think as a, as a profession, we need to recognize that some of the standards we hold therapists to need to be really looked at. Because a lot of therapists looking at how the standards that therapists are held to, I think there is a piece where I think some of them potentially, I think they're valid on the consumer protection side, but on the therapist side, I think we need to really have understanding and compassion for people who have chosen to do this work because we need to support people in making good decisions, treating themselves well. And if we're saying you have to work with everybody regardless because you're minimally competent, I think that's... And, and you can't discriminate against anybody because, you know, blah, 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 blah. I think we need to be discriminating in how we pr- move our f- practice forward so we can continue to do it. I don't think we should discriminate. I think we should be, we should be, be very clear in how we work best and do that and continue to improve ourselves in all arenas. So I don't, I don't disagree with the, the main points you're saying. I'm saying that to, to go hardline on this is discrimination closes the conversation on how we can help therapists better serve more people. I'm still going to call it discrimination. Okay. But, but I'm going to say, here's how we change this into not discrimination. Okay. I think that's the more, the more helpful part of the conversation. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. So how do we turn it not into discrimination in a legally and ethically appropriate way? We definitely talk about this in our brand called you workshop Mm -hmm. and i I don't remember in our brand called you episode if this specific point is brought up no i don't think we had had that conversation yet so i think that there's you're you're calling it a nuanced line i'm calling it a very wide difference between saying i work well with teenagers i work well with boys i work well with these particular populations Mm self-harm emdr if somebody's calling me up and says, I'm a 45-year-old single person, I don't have any kids of my own, but I enjoy your sense of humor, I enjoy your presentation, whatever it is, however they found me. Yeah. 
would you see me? And I would say, well, my experience is working mostly with teenagers. It's working mostly with trauma. It's working mostly with self-harm. Is this something that you as the client would feel best coming in and working with me? Mm -hmm. This is fine because I'm sharing what my experience is. I'm sharing what my competence is. I'm letting the client make the decision. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I don't serve adults. I don't serve women. I'm saying you can make an informed choice. This is what our ethics code says, that you can make the choice that if you're initiating contact with me, that's okay. I think that's a good place to start, but I think I take it further. I say I have limited spaces in my therapy practice. And so I really only serve those who I serve best. And this is who I serve best. So I'm going to need to refer you out. Is that discrimination? No, it's not discrimination. Okay. Because if you're doing this as a overall practice, regardless of who's calling in. Yes. That's fine. Okay. So if, I, if I'm very clear in my niche and I say I work with survivors of childhood trauma and abuse, typically women, but childhood sur- survivors of childhood trauma and abuse, and someone calls me and they're calling about anxiety and life changes, life transitions, and I say I only work with survivors of, you know, adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. I'm okay with that because Mm -hmm. you're not drawing a line based on a protected class. I'm not seeing children. I'm referring all all kids out. That's age discrimination. Okay. So the fact that other therapists locally are way better with kids than I am. That's a valid point. Okay. So, so I basically say I work best with, with this group of people Mm -hmm. with these specific, specific presenting problems. And I have these colleagues, such and such, such and such and such and such who are amazing working with kids like your daughter or like your son. Mm -hmm. I would love to provide you with those referrals. Yes. In, In providing professional assistance, you are still allowing the client to make an informed choice. You are acting professionally. You are serving somebody in a way that would best suit them. Those are all fine. Even if they say, we really want to work with you. And I say, I'm sorry, I just don't have the space. Well, you've already said you have a few spaces. Mm -hmm. That I'm reserving for people who I serve best. There's an expectation of you being able to say who, who you're going to best serve. And I don't imagine that there's a lot of clients out there that are going to drive into, no, I insist on being seen by you regardless, no matter what. Oh, you would be surprised. Everyone wants to work with me, Kurt. (laughs) Why do you still have those spaces then? (laughs) I'm very, very specific. But it's allowing the clients to make the informed choice. If you are discriminating, you are discriminating. Okay. The ethics codes say don't do that. Okay. But I think it's something where... Part of the conversation we had in the workshop was if there, if there are not other therapists to refer to, you have to take them into your practice. And to me, that is a very slippery slope into filling your practice beyond capacity because no one else can see clients. And I just, I get worried that this continues this, this kind of sense of entitlement that if somebody needs our services, we have to give them. And that's not good for our profession either. 
And so I don't know, I don't know where the line is because, you know, in truth, I don't have any spaces in my practice. And oftentimes I may fit someone in if they're especially, you know, lined up with who I serve best, especially if they're not able to find a therapist. But in truth, I just can't see any clients anymore. And fortunately, I'm in an area where there's a lot of therapists around who I can refer to, which is great. And I know a lot of them. But I think there's this piece of, you know, folks in rural areas or folks in, in areas that are, are, don't have a lot of therapists. If someone comes to them, they are not the right therapist for them, but there's no other therapists around. Do they have the right to say, I don't, I'm not going to serve you well and or I really don't have any space. My therapy practice is full, assuming both of those things are, you know, one or the other is true. Like what do people do in that situation where there's really not good alternatives to refer and they just either don't have space or they just know that they're not going to, they're not going to be able to provide the quality of care that this client needs. There's a, there's a couple of points here and I'm glad that you bring up kind of the rural versus urban thing because Katie and I, both have tons of of colleagues in our very immediate vicinities. Mm-hmm. It is more of an issue in a more rural area. For sure. You're, you're going to be expected to be able to provide services to more people. The, the more therapists that are around, the more that it does benefit everybody to specialize. Yes. Having a competence then allows you to market that and allows you to get those clients that you would best be serving anyway, yes. calling you first. In a more rural setting, you have a responsibility to take on a wider variety of clients, especially if you're the only game in town. So what does happen when you're the only game in town and you truly have no more space in your practice? That's, because- what, that's wait lists. That's... So telehealth referrals to somebody else within state boundaries. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I have a wait list that I can put you on. It's going to be four weeks before I can serve you. If you need somebody earlier in that time, you might want to check out who's able to provide telehealth services to you. I would suggest starting to look in this referral directory. Okay. Because I think that, that part of how I heard what you were saying previously was that because we're therapists, we've signed on, got our licenses, or are in the process of getting our licenses, that we have to serve everyone. And I feel like that there is some more nuance to that. It's not black and white. We can really seek to to serve the clients we serve best and potentially make appropriate referrals, continue to grow our experience and knowledge, especially if we're in an area where there's not a lot of therapists. But I think I think there is that that piece where figuring out how we as therapists can take care of ourselves in these situations because there's oftentimes one of the hardest parts about being a therapist is that we walk into rooms and have conversations that most people walk out of. And we have to keep walking back in and having these conversations. And this is, this is what we do. And there's times when those conversations are triggering to us and we need to be able to figure out how do we take care of ourselves both in the moment in how we take current referrals and how we move past it so that we can better serve more people. But I, I really believe that expecting us to, to serve everyone isn't realistic and, and doesn't respect that we're each human beings. Yes, we're held to a higher, higher standard, but we're each human beings. And so having some tools to try to, to hone your practice to the practice that you can work best with 
it sounds like that's a positive way to do it as long as we're not specifically discriminating against people based on a protected class. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, we're way out of time now, so we should finish. <laughs> so this is obviously something that everybody's going to have opinions on. Uh, I really do encourage you, if you haven't already joined our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group, uh, it's a great place to continue on with these conversations, interact sure. with us, and let us know your ideas and your thoughts. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Renoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.